I could have caught a bullet. So, I almost caught a bullet when, in those two weeks. And when y'all say drug dealing, are y'all just talking about dime bags? Do y'all not realize how dangerous the drug game is? And if, I do. If, if you're choosing your son to sell drugs, you're potentially putting you and your wife in danger, your other daughters in danger. On top of that, there are a lot of drug dealers that develop a drug habit, and then that can spire into all types of things to where, as the joke goes, they sucking for crap. What up, what up, what up, what up? It's Five Brothers No Sense. Yeah, you heard me right. Five Brothers No Sense. I got the use. I'm Tavares Ferguson. I got my usual suspects with me, Buff and Rizzi. We have the pleasure of having two great guests slash co-hosts. We have Sherman Cooley over here and Mike Bruce McCoy. A.K.A. <laughs> <laughs> hey, DJ Tight Mike. That's it. Fellas, tell them what's on your mind. Where y'all at right now? Uh, last I checked, I think we in Las Vegas for a little a little small event that's happening a little later tonight. But it's uh, <laughs> it's gonna be a nice little nice little time. Yeah, a little Spence Crawford, you know, L- little fight, little fight night. We're we're only at the biggest fight of what they say the decade, the last twenty years. He's flexing people. He literally has his arms up right now, <laughs> <laughs> flexing for you. <laughs> Now the flex has been like people inbox me, yo, where you where you watching the fight at tonight? T-Mobile Arena. <laughs> that's the word. That's, that's a, I, like I don't even say I'm going. I just say I'm watching that T-Mobile Arena. Yeah. yeah. And Buff keeps trying to put it on us like we like oh, strong arm them in the coming. It didn't take a whole lot of convincing. That is that is true. <laughs> but I I was comfortable with not coming to this fight. I and then Bruce and Cooley, them the main two culprits that Force me to come. I was, How the hell I get in it? I was just lying. <laughs> I was just lying. Because you brought it up first, and then he jumped in. Bro, we talked about this over a year. Bro. I know, but it was on a bad weekend. That's all. all right, so. All right, so I get it. I get it. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's it's not that often that three brothers gets in a room together. I know y'all, y'all think that, you know, we talk all the time. It is very, very different being in the same room the energy and everything versus being on a Zoom call or whatever and trying to record. So hopefully you guys enjoy the uh, the show today. It's gonna be a great time. We're gonna have a good, 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 clean fun because we're sitting here being wholesome in Vegas. Um, yeah, yeah. Except good for me. Christian, man. Yeah, uh-huh. except for me. I'm the only single guy, so I'm I'm the bad influence. All right, so we can put the Bible away real quick. Okay. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> we were we were uh we were reading the book of Luke at the time, folks. So, yeah. so anything you guys want to put out there for for the listeners today? It's hot as hell out here in Vegas. It is. That and and that is an understatement. It's it's scorching hot. Uh but just hanging out and, and doing the stuff we've been doing, man, topics for the show have been coming up left and right. So I assume we're going to touch on one or two of those, man. So I'm just ready to get started, man. Yeah, but we do got to talk about the aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a, a hearing. It was a public hearing on, on Capitol Hill talking about UFOs or U, UFPs or whatever they call them now. They UAPs, changed it. UAP, UAPs. I don't even know what UAP stands for, <laughs> but we're going to call them UFOs. They had a, a hearing on that. 
eh, nothing really came out of it that was new. There was a lot of people saying that they saw UFOs and they had proof, but they wouldn't provide proof because it was classified. I'm like, you're a whistleblower testifying in front of Congress. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing that like classified that you shouldn't be able to tell. But so I don't trust it. I think it was just a waste of time. It was a little dog and pony show for the Republicans to be able to say they were doing something because they ain't doing nothing. Well, it was bipartisan. You had a Democrat and Republican uh, wanting answers to this UFO stuff. So we don't have UFOs, Roger? Is that what you're saying? Um, no, I, I, I definitely think there are UFOs. Now, are they aliens? That I don't know. Yeah, I feel like the military confirmed that there are UFOs. Like when they do, the Air Force said when they do certain uh, exercises that they have been restricted on what they can do. First off, technically, anything that you can't identify that's up in the air is a UFO. Like it can be a plane, but if you can't tell what it is, that's an unidentified flying object. Well, that's what I think that's what Rizzi meant when he said he believes in UFOs, doesn't necessarily know if he believes in aliens. Mm. But I thought I read in, the, um, in an article um, referencing the hearing that one of the whistleblowers said that, uh, you know, they had uh, found what non-human biological. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. But that doesn't mean they're like aliens, right? Like. There could be a rabbit in there. That could be like space. No, animals. no, it, 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 it could be like it, it's just. You put a dog in space, right? Yeah, we put dogs in space. We've had like it could be yeah. there. I I do think life exists out there, right? But I don't think it's as advanced as us, where they're coming down, flying saucers, that type of alien. What I think with that biological material, it could be germs or you know single cell organisms space roaches yeah yeah like that was on like a meteor or something like that i I definitely don't think it was like little green men type shit (laughs) i believe in little green men do you yeah it's it's something out there i think i agree with her yeah we're right Uh like um i just no it's just that i feel like this universe is way too big and way too vast and everything else that's out there just i think it's um Kinda conceited to think we the only thing here. Oh, it's very conceited. Very yeah, very yeah. Much so I agree. Rizzi is conceited now. Definitely. <laughs> so. so and and I mean we all saw they cloned Tyrone. So you know it could be all kind of stuff happening right now. I haven't seen it yet. Don't spoil I, it. Don't spoil I, it. I haven't seen it. Great movie. What? Yeah. Great movie. Y'all haven't seen it? Okay, so let me tell y'all about the, they cloned Tyrone. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm not gonna spoil it. Spoiler free. But for the listeners out there, they cloned Tyrone is a great great satire on people thinking about the drug dealers. You heard all this stuff about the government is kind of setting you up to be drug dealers, keeping our uh, our communities poor, pouring resources into actually keeping them poor, researching them and that type of stuff. That's really what the movie's about. It's not necessarily about this sci-fi cloning stuff. Um, so I, I think take it for that, and you're gonna really enjoy the movie. Yeah, it, it does. It definitely takes more of a a social stance, I think. Okay. To uh to kind of illuminate what Rizzo was just saying, as far as us essentially being whether it's wittingly or unwittingly being you know tools of the government to keep our people down. Yeah, and they do put crack in the chicken. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be so. Is it linked to slavery? Is it because of slavery? Because everything we blame, you know, this too is because of slavery. I I don't know. Yes, 
Yes. Yes. That's all Good answer. Good answer. You haven't figured it out yet. That is. I haven't put the pieces together. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to assume it's a yes on that. So. Um, only other thing I had, man, really is uh, shout out to ESPN. I don't know if you know, but uh, they have announced that they're going to sponsor an HBCU Battle of the Bands, a national Battle of the Love Bands. It, so that's going to be like super duper dope. I can't remember where, but it's going to be a national championship in the beginning of or like pregame of one of the big bowls. Uh, so I don't know which bowl it is. I can't remember, but that's just kind of dope that they're putting that money into it so people can get to see a battle of the bands and somewhere for HBCU bands to go and be able to actually say, prove who's the best and, and be able to carry that title for a year. So that's kind of dope. Man, y'all said I was flexing earlier. You know who's flexing? Magic Johnson. This dude goes on a yacht for like the whole summer. And in, the whole, in, in that time, he's helped by the Washington commanders. Right. And and like different groups of people just come on the yacht the whole time. Once again, Ferg, I want us to get a yacht. Sailboat. Not a sailboat. Sailboat. A yacht. Sailboat. And I was listening to last week's episode, Rozzy. I just wanted to give you an opportunity because you mentioned Carly Russell. I know you said at the time that it may be a hoax, but even if it is, you was glad she home. After finding out everything that's happened, are you mad or do you still, do you feel like it's harmed Black women and that we won't believe them anymore. Like, what's your, what's your, because it's in your city too. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, just to follow back up on that, for the listeners who don't know, uh, it has been confirmed that we did get Juicy Smoothie. So, everybody uh, knows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Some people might be sleeping on the rock. Right? Like, somebody everybody listening knows. might not know. So, um, yeah, we did get Juicy Smoothie. Uh, her lawyer did come by and say that it was a hoax and uh, she was just trying to go to Memphis to. Be with her boyfriend in Nashville. Nashville, yeah. Nashville to be with a boy, her side dude because she got a boyfriend back here. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping her boyfriend broke up with her in, in this. But to answer your question, they're but not together anymore. They aren't together anymore. And she Good. lost her job and everything. Yeah, she should. Um, I I do feel a certain type of way about the the fraud and everything, but I I really don't think she meant it to get this big. And so it did. I, I'm definitely happy she's back because even if it was her running away and fraudulent, that family still had to deal with the thought of their daughter being gone and, and all of that. And so I'm happy she got back for the peace of mind of the family. Yeah. Um, Y'all think she should do jail time? Um, I do as long as other people who have done this have done jail time. I, I wanted to be... I, and that's why I don't people. think she should. We right. Had, we it's had, a Mr. Beaner in Alabama, right? We had a governor of South Carolina who did something similar. Said he went hiking in the uh, Appalachian Mountains or somewhere when he was really with his side chick. Yeah, with his mission. Right. Mark mm-hmm. Sanford. Mm-hmm. So, unless you were demanding for him to go to jail, don't demand this sister to go to jail. I do think what she did was messed up. She should be held accountable. But I'm not calling for any jail time on it. Like... And uh, I, I don't do, think do she agreed the civil the civil suit or whatever because there's some taxpayers I can see that, that are gonna bring yeah, a civil suit against her to get the tax money that they spent back. That's you know that's you know. fair. And and I don't think it messed it up for black like this ain't the first time a black woman has lied. Yeah. Like all these black women telling she didn't mess no, y'all lied before. Don't don't <laughs> don't get holy in and out now. Yeah, right. So <laughs> Well I, and I, well, I'm sorry, go ahead, Frank. I just wanna know what happened to the baby. 
<laughs> you stupid. <laughs> I, I don't know, but if y'all Google, um, there's a, a baby sighting uh, location pin um, on Google Maps right. for where the baby was. So Hilarious. just throw that out there. What you got for a Sherman? I'm not. I was just about to say, you know, I I do think, and and I fall back on just the idea or the fact that there are so many women out there who are missing, who are you know seriously and sincerely missing, and this kind of and whether we want to admit it or not, this sucked all of the oxygen out of the room. Yeah. Now, on the, the other side of that coin is, because it did all that, and you know there were other people posting, and I shared a couple of posts, where, okay, this person really is missing from Alabama. So maybe it would shed some light on these other people who are truly missing. Uh, I don't really buy the whole thing about, you know, the peace of mind of the brains of her family, even though that that's true. And I have to admit, you know, we have to admit that. Uh, I think, I, I think you can at the same time say, I'm happy nothing actually happened to her. Like, I don't want her to have been in a yeah. serious harm or danger or whatever. Just so my prayers were, mm, you know, yeah, useful. Vindicated. Right, right. Yeah. You know, I didn't waste I, I don't waste my prayers. Because you yeah. can't waste prayers, people. Nobody, I don't think anybody no is saying that. But at the same time, like I said, it did take all the oxygen out of the room when there are real people who are missing and families who are really suffering. And I don't remember the lady's name, but you know, everybody kept mentioning the lady whose daughter was abducted and hadn't been found. And you know, that, that I'm sure all this traumatized that lady. Mm-hmm. And now I will say, you know, just me being me, I ain't never advocating for nobody to go to jail, especially for nothing like this. Uh, Cause I don't think anybody was seriously hurt Aside from maybe the lady I just I just mentioned whose daughter was actually uh, abducted, and as far as that you know taxpayer money and all the that you know how many politicians and people just waste taxpayers money on BS. It was, True. We were had all kind of um, hearings on Hillary Clinton for two years over nothing over her email. That's taxpayers money wasted. I don't want to hear that. Yep. That's I just hope the young lady gets the help she needs. That's hey, all. Hey, that was a cry for help hey, easily. Yeah. So hopefully she gets the and that mug shot that that put the, hey, the hey, I, I forgive stamping the tombstone. I forgive him. <laughs> <laughs> I forgive him. Yeah. Yo, so y'all made some good points. Since we're circling back, we got to circle back to Kiki Palmer. Anybody know what's happened with her and her uh, boyfriend? Yeah. Usher happened. Yeah. Usher happened. Yeah. Public menace. menace. Usher <laughs> happened. But uh, since then, since the video went. Uh, viral and all this stuff. But uh, the, the video went viral. He made his comments. Those posts went viral. Uh, they are no longer a couple. Mm. And guess how? Because she's so mature and women just handle these things much better than us. How she let the world know they broke up. Any guess? Uh, social media? Yeah. Mm. yeah. Oh, and she sung Let It Burn by Usher. So she made a post. To put their business out there on social media. And once again, I, super troll. I've heard no qualms. You're not going to hear any Why not, Byron? Why are we not going to hear any Because I don't know. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Choose violence. I don't know. I don't want to do that, man. It's just the hypocrisy. You know, I'm you know, I'm sure it's on both sides, but sometimes with these public celebrity women and how 
you know, women that we know on social media react to it. It's it's a lot of hypocrisy. You mentioned full, full circle. I just saw a post saying how a stay-at-home mom deserves the same or even more credit uh, as the man that's working and making all the money. But y'all weren't saying that about Kiki's uh, boyfriend. And he actually makes money, but they still was calling him broke. And he needed to just shut up and raise the kids while she go have fun on her birthday. So it's, you know, I don't want to turn into a battle of the sexes. I just, I just want equity, fair, fairness across the board. So uh, with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into Rizzy, is uh, Sophie here? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I didn't. And I'm here in Vegas. I don't know. Some families bring their kids. I mean, I... I I, and we saw some in Old Vegas. Yeah, last night. yeah. Man, we saw kids out there at <laughs> two o'clock in the morning. Let's stop lying. We went out at two o'clock in the morning. We were dead by then. Like, baby, go home. Dave, you did that. Dave Chappelle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, softly. So, oh, but did y'all know I was dating somebody else? Did I tell you that? No, you did not. What? No, go ahead. Who are you dating, Rosie? Who are you dating, Rosie? Tell us more. No, see, I don't want to. I want to tell y'all. It, it, it's okay. It's okay. Cause I tried to take her to the gym. She didn't show up, so I know it, it's not gonna work out. I got to pour me another drink. You hear me? Did you hear me when I said it was coming? Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. I tell you this though, if you had to like just mention that in the middle of the show, that I think. Cause the execution was good. Uh-huh. We just uh-huh. kind of knew it was coming. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, oh, um, speaking of though, did y'all see that? Um, was it not Lil Yachty? Or Lil you? No, wait. Kodak Black jumped on the uh, track oh, with Takashi Six yeah. Nine. Oh, you talking about Buff's favorite rapper? <laughs> yeah. Which one? <laughs> he talking about Takashi. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. it's crazy, <laughs> but it's hilarious. It's hilarious though because Takashi paid Kodak Black a million dollars to get on the track. The track only streamed enough to make like seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars or something, so he didn't break even on the the track. And then on top of that, Kodak Black dissed him in his own like rhymes and was like, you know, what did he say? I got I'm getting cheese. Oh, um, he's like I'm so out. I'm getting cheese from a rat. Mm. Oh, and like, mm. yeah. So it's on funny. his song, on the actual on, on, on his song, he said, it, it, "Yeah, it said I'm so raw. I got a rat giving me cheese." Mm. That's pretty raw. No, Bruce calls him my favorite rapper because I said he eloquently rhymes. You know, shot, 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 pop, pop, pop. <laughs> <laughs> but that song does go hard though. Yeah, yeah. He, had, he listen. He had songs that were catchy. So, that's all that matters, right? Yeah. Nowadays, yeah. I saw a post dude said I tried to be a rapper when I was growing up but I couldn't rap so that ended my career that ain't stopping these new rappers first of all let me get a name oh man um, so let's go ahead and jump into it we kind of kicked this off yesterday but Sherman you shared a post with us that you read um, and it got an interesting conversation. Rise, I don't think you were a part of it, but I wanted to share, bring it back up and share with our listeners and hopefully get your input on it. Okay, so I'm pulling the post up now. Uh, I'm, sure, I'm assuming you want me to read the post? Yeah, excuse me. So it says, am I tripping? 
Or does it seem like a lot of men are only physically attracted to women, but they're emotionally attracted to their boys, LOL. Think about it. Yeah, they have sex with women, but they confide in and seek emotional validation from their friends. And just to give uh, credit, it was a post from Shawnee Easton. What's say you, fellas? That's a, a piss poor take if I've ever heard it. Okay, Shawnee, right. um, um, I, I think it's you, baby. Uh, there, there are plenty of guys that will It share. might not be her directly. It might be... Did she make the post or she shared the post? She made, no, she she made the post. Okay, continue, Rosie. Yeah, My bad. Yeah, it, it might be you, boo. Because uh, when it comes down to it, guys are going to get emotional. They're going to share their feelings with who they feel comfortable with, right? Whether it's male or female. I'm, I'm tired of this whole gender war like Byron talked about where it's like, I've got to choose between my lady and my friends. Like, that's the th- problem is in a relationship, you should be his friend. And so if you are making and creating a safe space for him to share with you and and talk about his concerns and his dreams. Well, I think we talked about it a couple of episodes ago. We talked about can men be vulnerable and everything and, and insecure. That's the problem is that he can't feel that way with you. Guys are going to have friendships and they've had those friendships for years and years and years, probably before you came there. On top of that, guys don't put a whole lot of like stipulations on our friendship. If I don't call Buff in a month and a half, two months, if I don't even, I don't even have to text Buff happy birthday. We're still friends if I forget to text him happy birthday. Let me not text one of my female friends happy birthday. <laughs> it's like for some reason I'm the worst guy in the world and I never cared about you ever. And that's just my female friends, not to talk about my lady. Like, so I, I think it's, you're trying to push everything together and try to create this divide between men and women when it's not that. What it is, is it's friendship versus not friendship. And if you are, if he's using you for sex and he doesn't feel that safe space to be able to be your friend, then y'all have bigger issues in your relationship than just he, him not sharing with you. Well, Shawnee starts it off by saying, am I tripping? Yes. And Shawnee, I'm going to say, yes, you're, you're tripping. I agree with uh, pretty much everything Rosie says, especially at the end when she says we seek emotional validation from our friends. It's not that we seek it. It's like Rosie said, wherever we find that comfort. And I don't think, I don't think it's like, yeah, you may share things with your boys, but I don't, I don't know if you're ever in a position where you're going to share everything with them. It may be some things you feel more comfortable sharing with Ferg, Sherman, Mike, or Rosie. And then it may be some things I'm more comfortable sharing with Tabitha or if I was involved with someone else with, with her, like if you're in a relationship. It, it just depends on if your significant other gives you that comfort and, and you determine, you know, what you're comfortable confiding in and sharing with them. It has nothing to do with I'm only phys- physically attracted to women and I'm, o- I'm mostly attracted to my boys. That's just it's so simplistic and incorrect, in my opinion. Well, I'll go this. You guys both hit on some great points. I'm going to take a little further. And let's talk about the beginning. So we're sitting here with 25 years plus friendships. Mm -hmm. We've known everybody in this room at least 25 plus years, right? Mm -hmm. So we have confided and built our friendships over the last 25 plus years. I'll use my wife, for example. I met Z in 2008. I've been confiding you guys 
since 95, 96. It's because every woman is not, it's not qualified. Like they, they haven't gotten to the point where we can confide in. It's, it's the fact that like you, you, the way she makes it seems like every relationship she's in, he's automatically supposed to confide. It took years of getting to know you guys, years of friendships to get to that, to where we can confide more now than we did 10, 15, 20 years ago. But if I started dating you in 2022, we're dating for six months, we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. Like it takes time. You, you, you're comparing things that might have 20 plus years of just growth to something that might, I don't know how long her last relationship was. I don't know how long, you know, what stage or how comfortable they got to the point where 25 years of friendship has to mean something, right? Six months of dating really doesn't have to mean anything. I've dated a lot of people for six months. And guess what I didn't do? I didn't confide in them because it wasn't there. And it wasn't a lack of them. Like we just weren't there in our relationship the same way it took us time to get there in our friendship. And so her expectation for, I guess, it seems like every man should automatically confide in her is it's not even that she's tripping. She's misguided. Like it, it those things aren't natural. And like you were saying, but there's things I can confide in to you guys. There are things I can confide into with you guys, and there's things I can talk to Z about. But when Z wasn't there, there was that gap. We haven't always been able to confide in people, and we're still working on that. Mm -hmm. Men to this, we, like you said, we had these whole conversations. Can men be vulnerable? Can men be uh, uh, insecure and things like that? Luckily, I have somebody I can be insecure and vulnerable with. But for a lot of us, that's not possible. So you're telling me I can I can confide in you guys, and for one, ain't no. The validation part. Y'all don't validate me. <laughs> y'all don't do if anything. Y'all might clown me a little bit on my, you know, your emotional status or whatever the case may be. So she's completely misled on this. I think she needs to regather her thoughts and um maybe she needs to get some male friends first. Yeah. And and there there's there's also the you talk about the 25 years, but it's if I meet a new homeboy. And I've known him for six months. Right. I'm probably not confiding yeah. in him the way I'm, I'm doing yep. with y'all either. So it is, again, it's not yes. a male-female yeah, thing. it's time. It's, it's just time. And yes, maybe I I get there to confide in him on certain things faster. Maybe on guy things that I know he understands. Yeah, and he has that kind of common, you know, understanding. So I don't have to explain as much to him. So I'm like, okay, this situation's happening. Yada, yada, yada. Like, why are we playing basketball or something? Or we out just hanging out and like, you know, we smoking a cigar and I'm like, man, let me tell you what happened, right? That That is very different than, hey, here's my deepest, darkest fears and, and concerns that I'm dealing with. I'm not telling that six month homeboy that. So, I mean, it's like you said, it's it's that time with any relationship, not just male, female type thing. Cooley, you kind of agree with it, ain't you? Why have you changed? Well, when I first read it, to be honest with you, the first thing I thought about What's my relationship with you all? Mm. And comparing that to previous relationships, uh, current marriage, all this other stuff. And, um, but it's like Arazio and uh, Tavares said, and you intimated that it's these years that we've been together. And I think there's also, there are different expectations with friendships, whether we've been friends for 25 years or whether it's somebody I've been friends with for you know, two, three years or five years. 
versus being in a relationship with a woman. We have different expectations. And when you're in a relationship, you have to meet those expectations for that relationship to grow and prosper. And, and so then there are conditions. People love to talk about well, unconditional love, but there's no unconditional love in a relationship. There are conditions. Because when those conditions are met, then the relationship fails. Somebody's gonna want gonna want their way out. It's all too long. <laughs> so, but when and and even in friendships, there's still some conditions, but they they are less restrictive, less limiting. Because you're going to expect less from your friends. Like uh, Razio was just saying, me missing your birthday. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you may even feel like, okay, I got this new friend over here. And I'm all about this new friend that I got. We, we're we connecting on so many other different things. And I ain't reached out to you in two, three months. You might feel some type of way. But as my homeboy, you're going to hit me up and be like, yo, bro, what's going on? Or, you know, what's... Was this, I feel like this, and you know, we can talk it out. Or I might blow you off. Mm. The the difference is in that relationship, when I'm when I'm neglecting that woman or whatever else, or God forbid, another woman is getting my attention. You know, mm. like you the joke you mentioned yesterday, you know, she you know made my plate at the cookout or whatnot, right. and <laughs> all of this stuff. It's a problem. Yeah. And it can quickly you know, dissolve that relationship. Whereas where in my friendship with you all, and again, I'm not going to say it's unconditional because that's, yeah, it's you expectation. know, every, every relationship has conditions. However, it's more forgiving. There's more grace. Like, I don't feel like there's anything in me that I could do that is going to make Mike be like, I don't mess with Sherman no more. Yeah, because because our relationship is more rooted. It's, it's it. like and you think about a grow a tree growing, right? It's like a sapling can get toppled over very easily because it just doesn't have deep enough roots. We got twenty five years worth of roots here. We we are those big oaks that ain't going nowhere no matter what happens. But, right? but even but even you can meet going them. back 15, 20 years when this was newer. I remember my family. I remember my aunt um, specifically telling me when we were in high school. And she, she just saw uh, essentially how wrapped up in you all I, I, I was, which kind of points back to her post. Um, and she was like, you know, friends come and go. Don't get all wrapped up in them. And this, that, and the third. And a point of candor. In my, in my first marriage, it came to a point, And, you know, I got married very early, right out of high school. It came to a point where my ex-wife essentially said, you're going to have to choose me or them. And at that point, you know, me and her had been seeing each other for two or three years. At that point, we had been us for about eight, nine years. And, well, no, it wasn't eight, nine years. It was probably five, six years. And to be honest, I choose you all. And when I was sitting in that cell for them 16 years, guess who was there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What, what you got? I want to hear from you, Bruce. It's just interesting, the dynamics of it, because... As Buff said, I'm really, really tired of the gender wars. It's it's overplayed. It's definitely played out. But um, when you have these bonds with how, you know, us as brothers, we've watched us grow from just the, the ragtaggest bunch at 15, 16 years old, <laughs> just evolve into grown, grown ass men with wives and families and and you know, things that we have and we've gone through and watched you know, go through the ups and downs of these relationships. You know, y'all have seen, I had a marriage that broke apart. I got married again. 
you know, we've we've seen certain events, we've seen losses, we've seen everything. And somebody new coming into a relationship, like uh, another partner or something like that, they have no idea what you've been through up to that point. So when you bring all that baggage to the table and they start judging you by it, it's like, okay, my boys ain't gonna judge me. I'll tell y'all certain things that I never tell to a partner of mine in any way, shape or form. But there's certain things I will tell my partner that y'all won't know. Yeah. So those relationships are kind of, it's, it's a dynamic, but to take it to that extreme to say, we're just physically attracted to women, no. That's, no. that's ridiculous. And, and sometimes it's a comfort level too, where military is a prime example, right? A lot of military folks won't talk about their military time and their deployments and stuff with non-military people. Mm. It is, it's not that we couldn't explain it to you or we couldn't, it's just, it's that comfort level of, again, level that shared, understanding. yeah, that, that shared experience is where I, you, you, I feel like you know what I'm talking about when I, when I try to explain this. There it is. Uh, and so you get all of that with just that history behind it and knowing that history. So. Yeah. I mean, y'all hit on some great points. It made me think of something that we kind of haven't brought up. Um, I think you were going there, the risk versus, the risk versus the reward. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that the fact is it worth telling you this because like you said there can be some back backlash for me saying the wrong thing telling you how i truly feel we've all been married long enough that you can't really say how you really feel mm-hmm. you know like sometimes you gotta like mm, can't say that it's not it's not worth it i can't confide in you to a certain extent for one are you gonna allow me to be vulnerable um am i gonna have to deal with your emotions right now or are you gonna put it in your back pocket and bring it up two years later like those are things that we have to consider that make it very we have to be very cautious of what we say even when we're trying to be vulnerable we're sitting there trying to say how do i say this to her mm-hmm. how do i make sure that this doesn't come back to bite me in the ass or not because it's not always about her or make me look weak or make me look you know those things that's one but then also i think part of the reason she might feel this way is because when you look at women, and this is just projecting, I guess, I feel like they are way more likely to share earlier on. Mm-hmm. And so they expect that same thing from you. I can be with you three months. You were telling us a situation where, you know, almost like a first date, and this chick is unloading all her bags in the car. You're like, we ain't even got out the car yet, right? <laughs> <laughs> and so for us, we're like, okay, she tripping. But like I said, pretty much everybody I dated, I wasn't, I couldn't, I wasn't ready or I didn't know how to be vulnerable with. Um, and and I talk about premarital counseling a lot. And one thing they brought up was a lot of times your baggage comes up when you're your most comfortable. And so my thing is I can be this version of her you want me to be because I, I'm, I'm not comfortable enough to show you the, 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 the insecure side of me. I'm not... Uh, secure enough or comfortable enough to show you these parts of me that I want to work on that I'm hiding and and so that happens and it's not a you thing that you're a bad person not a me thing it's when we find that person that we can truly be comfortable with and then we learn out because it's not just her then men learn how to be uh, vulnerable and confide because that's a whole other thing Mm -hmm. because I was talking to somebody the other day and it's like yeah I can be I have the space I just don't know how to do it. Like, it's really the fact that a lot of us just don't know. 
how to confide in a woman. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that that's part of it. Like, I just really don't know how to, 42 years old, I ain't never had to tell a chick, you know, you know, these things about myself. Yeah. So. I just feel, it, it's just, it's always funny to me. It feels like women want us to confide in them and tell them all this personal stuff about us before they'll take a in the same room with us. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you won't even go to the bathroom. You'll hold your gas in for months before you actually fart around me. But then right. at the same time, you want me to be telling you about, like, my deepest, darkest fears. Like, it's, you got to think about that. Like, y'all hold back too. <laughs> Keep holding back. I don't mind you holding back no fart. <laughs> hey, man, if you ain't heard a fart, you don't have a heart, boy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, That's when y'all know y'all real serious. That's when she, you know when she lets it out, you know yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like, okay, I'm in there now. <laughs> so, ladies, that's the line, okay? Ladies, that's the line. When you're serious, just go ahead and let it go. Mm-hmm. We don't we, we don't care. We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else on that subject, fellas? Nah, I just I just thought it, how interesting it would be if she was right. What if she's like, let's take what she said and say, okay, that's true. Do women consider that bad? If men only confide to their homeboys and never to them, do they consider that? I, I think I think what is tripping us up in this, and uh, when I first uh, shared it with you all, and I got like the immediate pushback, I think it was when she said, you know, that we form these emotional attachments, yeah. and then when you're thinking about an emotional attachment, then you're thinking about, you know, intimate feelings of like, you know, love and security and all those other things. And yeah, I love y'all. But it's not like a romantic love, right? You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying. And so, and I think that's kind of where that's what she was alluding to a little bit. I don't know if that's what she was alluding to, but, but I kind of feel like just even if it's like on the subconscious level when you read it and you see it, she put the and, LOL in there yeah, too. And we are kind of soften it. And you know, we're all heterosexual men. You say, okay, they're bonding or connecting with their friends emotionally. You're like, wait a minute, hold up. Yeah. Right. I think it was the wording because since she used words like to validate our, our emotions and stuff like that, and it's like I don't I don't need that. Maybe to help unpack and understand. But in certain instances, I feel like we do, and I think it's also in the most serious of circumstances and instances where if, if I'm going through something, and it can be something at work, okay. it could be something in my in am my marriage, my trip, or whatever else. The people I'm going to depend on the most. Or the people who know me the most. There it is. And it's you all. Yeah. And so it's to say, okay, bro, like, like when I was going through the thing at, at work a couple of months ago, where they kind of screwed me over. Yeah. I, I call you. Yeah. And I spoke, and I spoke um speaking to Arazio, I called you. And I called Byron, like, yo, this is what's going on. Like, bro, like, am I am I tripping? Cause I'm about to burn the whole building down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. And I think it's because there's it's not on just those bonds. It's shared gender, potentially responsibilities, the way we have to, as black men, the way we have to navigate the world. It's certain things that we mentioned earlier that we can connect to as much as my wife wants to be there for me. And Byron, we were talking about this other day where um, like if I'm having financial troubles, my wife knows our finances because I share everything with her but she can't understand the stress I will be going through as a head of household and being able not to meet certain criteria. And like, how do I navigate this? Like, she's there like, I know you're stressed, but I need somebody like, dog, what you gonna do? Like, I need somebody who's like, I've been there. I remember when we had to consolidate our credit cards. Like, you know, the pressures that come with this role or being 
being me or a version of me. Mm -hmm. And my wife will never understand it. And, and at the same time, and with all due respect, I'll never understand the things she goes through. So when she tries to explain being a mother and a wife and, you know, a supporter of somebody who's or somebody who's submissive, I, I, I cannot understand that. So I can only listen, but you got to talk to somebody else about that to fully empathize with you. Maybe that's what it is. It's more empathy than anything. Like you can, I can confide in you because you can see this through my eyes. And even hell, even some of the things we talk about as guys in our friend group, if you can't really relate to me on this, I probably won't talk to you as much about it. Right. I can talk to you about certain things versus, you know, like, and that's the thing, you know, uh, you ain't never been, you know, you can't, married man really can't ask a single band, like, how should I handle this? He might give you his thought process, like, yeah, that sounds good. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make it work. And I said, <laughs> you know, like, no, buddy. I never let nobody, no, it yeah, sounds yeah. good. It's not like those parents who like, I'll never make another meal for my kid. And yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah, once you get them kids, it's totally different. It all yeah. sounds good. So my, my last thought is, I think, her post, it kind of, I think it's easy to assume that she hasn't been in very many long-term serious relationships. Because I think when you're in a long-term serious relationship, you're going to confide to that person. Because it's usually about trust. And if you're with somebody for a, a long period of time, if you don't trust them, I don't, it's hard for me to fathom why you're you're with them. Or, or it's, it's, it's trust or people, I think this is a, I can trust you, but if I don't know how, there's a lot of people who just don't know how to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of men who are suffering. That's why we talk about men mental health, vulnerability, all this stuff a lot. It's like, I can trust you, and you might even have a say, I just don't know how to start the conversation of, like, baby, I'm I'm, I'm stressed. Baby, I'm worried. Like, I, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I've been at those moments where I'm like, I don't know what to do next. And I think that stress, it comes out. Even if you don't know how to bring it up, your significant other is gonna notice. Yeah, but you don't talk about it, and when you do, it's probably not in a healthy way. Right. Because you don't know how to do it. Like when you when you stress out and you're you're at what's in, depends on who's at the uh the receiving end of that conversation. Mm. Especially if their expectations aren't, <laughs> you know, you're not meeting those expectations or they got unrealistic expectations, like you're trying to manage the bills and you're supposed to pay, you're supposed to pay everything, there's no 50-50, you're stressed out. Because me telling you I'm stressed about bills and you think a real man don't have a woman paying for bills, you know, and there's nothing wrong with it. It was whatever y'all do in your house, but you can't have, how do I have that conversation? Yeah, I, I think I think the operative word in all of that is seek, right? I don't think men seek that emotional from just their friends. They're seeking that emotional from any relationship. They want that emotional bond. But let's be honest, 80, 90% of guys we're thinking what I did when we go into a relationship. Sexual is how we approached you. If we, if you didn't catch my eye, if I didn't want to smash, I'm probably not trying to approach you to get to know you. So I can't get to that emotional piece. But that and then so the emotion comes. That's the relationship side of it. Where okay, yeah. I start to get emotionally attached to you. I want a relationship with you. Initially, I wanted to smash. <laughs> <laughs> Even then, you know, it's funny you said it because I've never met a chick's like, man, I can't wait to get to know her better so I can. Her. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but we don't said, do that with guys. He said no man ever. Right? <laughs> yeah, cool. Like, bro, you see how many soulmates in the club? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, like it, it just doesn't happen. You're right. There is a physical thing, 
even if we get in a relationship, it's it takes a special connection for us to get to that vulnerability and that um, that ability to confide in people. And what we're gonna hopefully this conversation is moot ten years from now as we stress more on mental health, especially male mental health uh, relationship between women and men. And ladies, ask your man, you know, what can you do? Or does he need help? Because it might not be something you can do. Maybe he needs to get with a therapist or somebody to help him learn how to be emotionally available and uh, emotionally vulnerable. So not saying it's a bad thing. It's just something that needs to be uh, worked on. And maybe you can be the person that can guide him. All right. Uh, that was a good one. Where we at? Let's... Uh, we have 44 minutes right now, so we probably get one more in and then close it out. All righty. So we uh, were talking last night, and I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. So we've all been to a strip club before, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. One or two. One, one or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, is, it was this question that just made me think, how does one become a stripper? And it's not judging. It's just like... You know, four out of five of us in here have daughters, right? And the last thing on our mind is our daughters becoming strippers. Like, I don't think, unless you just come from a long line of strippers, I don't know if that's like a family profession or something like that. It's like, I don't know, like people, firemen, you know, bankers. A lot of times you do see that. It is a generational thing. I mean, and I I say it and it comes out comical, but it's like, take those few people out of the, there's a lot of strippers out there. Long line of pole dancers. <laughs> you know? And it made me think about, I guess the closest thing we can compare it to is what, for men, is what? Dealing drugs, probably. Like, how does one how does one become a stripper? How do you hold your thoughts? And then we'll go, we'll follow up then. Well, first off, I am judging a little bit. Okay. I, don't, I believe in a little slut shaming. Um, <laughs> I believe in a little slut shaming. The name and, of the show, people. And, That's the name and, of the show. And we can we can try to get with this whole new movement, but there are a lot of strippers that have alcohol problems, drug problems, in order to cope with their profession. It's not a profession that most normal people will seek out. So yeah, I do judge a little bit. How they become, I mean, obviously there's no one answer to that. I know a lot of people lean on they wasn't loved properly when they were young or things like that. I think for some women, they just see it as easy money. Like there are some women that just like, hey, whatever, I'm gonna sell this fantasy, make make this easy money until I figure out what, what I wanna do later on in life. So it's okay. it's all type of different reasons. Some of them it could be because they didn't get a lot of love. Okay. Um, so What about you fellas? I don't know, I've, I've worked in a lot of strip clubs, so. I, have, I, I look at it from a completely different angle because you see these girls, they come in the door 18, 19 years old. They bright-eyed, they bushy-tailed, and then they come in five years later, they torn down, broken up, hooked on whatever, doing this just to make sure they making ends meet. But I think it begins from something a little bit different. It's not, you know, everybody jokes that, you know, strippers have daddy issues and all this other, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. I think it comes from somewhere a little bit different. I think it comes straight out of necessity. How does somebody become a low-level sex worker, if you will? It's um necessity. It's lack of money. And the only thing you got, you know, some some people, grandmama, tell them, hey, if you come on with a wet ass and an empty pocketbook, you're a fool. So they got to figure out what they can do with their beauty or whatever it is, their allure. Some women don't have the skills that 
you know, are going to make them profitable. They don't have the education. They don't have somebody at home motivating them to push them further. So it can happen that way. But I know some some pretty girls that have pushed their way through school and a couple of Mercedes and a couple things and they live in great lives and own their businesses and stuff. Did it right out of the strip club. And like I said, it's just two sides to every coin. Everybody's story is different. Mm-hmm. We're going to come back to that one. We're yeah. going to come back to that. What y'all got? I ain't got nothing. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. But I appreciate you, ladies. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank, you <laughs> Thank you for your service. Ladies. Thank you for your services. Oh, um, I, I, I agree with you guys when you, when you talk about the necessity piece of it. And that's that's why I talked about the, the closest thing you could think of from a male perspective is dealing drugs, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't have the opportunity. I want to live the good life. I want to live that high life. I want to get easy money. I want to get quick money. I want to be able to, you know, provide for my family, whatever that means, put my way through college, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I get in the game, whether it's a strip club or it's dealing drugs. It's like I get in the game because I need that money. I want that quick money. I want that easy money or or semi-easy money, right? right. Uh, and, and a lot of times that's why they end up so young. So a lot of times going into those professions, is they don't have the mental capacity to think through all the repercussions of that easy money or that quick money, right? It's like, yeah, or they don't care, right? They don't care about going to jail or maybe being uh, dying if they're dealing drugs or it's, you know, I may end up on alcohol and drugs and and the stigma that's going to come with me being a stripper and all of that stuff. And they like, I'm I'm young and dumb and I'm going to go for it regardless because that's what I want. So I do liken both of them, and I think they come into that and they end up in those professions out of either necessity or just a drive to want something more. And they they look at that as the an option mm-hmm. and probably the, the fastest and easiest option for them. Can I can I say this though? Because I don't want to liken, and it is a very close similarity. So I get why you would draw the parallel between selling drugs and being a stripper. But there's a very big difference. One is not illegal and will not send you to jail for the majority of your life. And you, and if you do it the right way, the way that you are hired to do it, your life generally won't be put in danger. So to compare the two, that it, it's, it's not the same. I, a drug dealer, a, 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 a kid, a 17, 18 year, 19 year old male deciding that he gonna pick up this sack or this, these uh, these rocks or this weed, whatever it is, and glide on on this corner with that pistol, it's not the same thing as that. But it's still fast, easy money too. It, it's, first off, ain't nothing easy about it. Right, you're right, you're right. I, mm-hmm. I've, I I've, I've yeah. done it, ain't nothing easy about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, it may be it may be faster than the nine to five, but there's also a lot that comes with that that doesn't come with that nine to five. But they don't tell you all that at the beginning. And yeah, they even, don't tell you that. And even, like I said, when you compare it to stripping, it's I'm just hesitant to to make them to put them on such an even plane. Yeah, we're, we're not talking. We're not comparing that to like doing the job. We're talking about like how the, you enter into the, the mindset, job. the so, mindset of getting into. But, but again, so think about the mindset, because when I'm going out to sell drugs or whatever, and yeah, okay, I need to get money. I need to make money. Right. I want to look good. I want to have the nice clothes and the labels. And the status and this, that, and the third, and that's a I'm willing to die behind it. I don't think a girl goes into so, a strip club and I'm willing to die. So, <laughs> to but I think I think it's, I see what you're saying. Like it's risk versus reward. The risk is a lot higher in the drug game, but it's like these are your options. 
as a young male, black, white, whatever, you, you have limited opportunities, you gotta feed your family, stuff like this. Did, here's yeah. your option. I can't I can't go male strip. So my, my risk is a lot higher, but that's my option. That's my entry, that's my easy entryway into and, making And for that women, money. there's one of two options. So we're saying stripping, but I, stripping is akin to freaking, like he said, he called him a low-level sex worker. That's Let's call him a high-level sex worker. They're kind of two sides of the same coin. It's like, you know, you go from stripping, especially if you, you got your prostitution. You know, yeah, the same it's thing. Like, and it's, it's like, yeah, you might die. Like, it's still the drug abuse, all the stuff. It's a dangerous game. But that's a choice that you have to make. Uh-huh. Uh, where, okay. I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I've, choice, never right? worked, I've never worked in a strip club. So um, maybe there are owners like, you You know, you come dancing, hey, you're going to have to sell some. Yeah, probably most strip clubs. I would I would agree that most strip clubs, have very it. good percentage. The owner going to want to sample the product. Too. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. That's and true. there's a drug addiction, alcoholic. It's a very dangerous game. We see the glamour. And, let's, and the reason. I slightly judge it. And the reason it's probably legal is because males benefit from it. That's it. Because, nigga, we all out stripping. Where are we going to see these at? I like titties. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, that that that's how, like, I think. I mean, be, I'm sorry, go ahead. Because the people who benefit from stripping, it's a male, it's a male dominated society. Like the men benefit from it. Men are paying the money. The men are probably owning the strip clubs, making the money. Mm-hmm. And they're sexualizing and get over on women, which is a, a a a great business strategy. I mean, it's probably the best business strategy in the world. I I can't think of one that beats it. I mean, I I get it from the standpoint of saying, okay, why do young females decide that they're going to strip? And I get the parallel to say probably for the same reason that young men say I'm going to decide that they, they decide to go sell drugs mm-hmm. because I want quick money. And it's gonna be rel- relatively easy. Probably not easy. It's just that it's faster. It's, right. so it's it feels. I put like this: it's a low barrier to entry. That's it's not. It. It's not the, whether the job's easy or not. But all I got to do is just prove that I'm willing to stand on this corner, and I can go stand on the corner. But nobody, nobody. I, I'm, 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 I can prove that I can shake my tail, and I can go shake my tail. It's that low barrier of entry True. for that quick. Because thing. nobody's gonna tell you all the details of going to the drug game, how hard it's gonna really be. Because all you see, all, all you see is, I mean, you you hear, but you no. see the end results, the risk most versus the world. Most of the time, the the, the the kid that's going to sell drugs knows what that leads to. He ain't he ain't green to this. But the risk versus the reward. Same thing with strippers. It's the imagery that comes along with it. It's I want the fast cars. I want the fast life. I want the nice clothes. I want extra money in my pocket. It's all better. It's better. The same way. The same way we say we don't understand how there's new crackheads is the same way. Like those strippers know they've seen Players Club. They know what happens to strippers. They know the risks that come along with that. Like they're not green to it either. Like no, most no, girls that go in, they understand they're that not. it's gonna be those long hours and they're gonna get treated, mistreated, and guys are gonna sexualize them and they're gonna get groped and all that. Like they understand what they're stepping into. Like I said, my only my only hesitancy is again, is just that one is legal and you have to take that next step to where you really start to endanger your health and your life. Mm-hmm. The other one is illegal. As soon as you step out there, you're a target for the government, and you're gonna be a target to for whoever or whatever other competition that's. Let me this: 
if they made street stripping illegal tomorrow, you think that shit would stop? Of course not. Exactly. But they, but it's not illegal because so you, so nobody so wants giving me a hypothetical. So because nobody wants it to be illegal. It doesn't matter why. Why it's not illegal? It's not illegal. It's like talking about alcohol it, that we're drinking. I think there's plenty of people being that want illegal, illegal. Yeah. Uh, uh, being legal, and we is illegal in a whole lot of places. Mm -hmm. When the alcohol probably is much more detrimental to your health than, than marijuana. And when they but the, it. but the fact is, alcohol is still legal, so we can sit here and drink it. Mm -hmm. Stripping is still legal. Somebody got to make some money somewhere. Hmm. So I think I think we all got our point across. My thought process is you say you definitely judge, and I agree, <laughs> I agree with I agree with Rosie to this. And I think it's the it's the it's the closest thing for females to. And to cut you off, I think we all judge. I just think oh, yeah. no, 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 no. I because my next question was, would you if you had a child, mm. stripper or drug dealer? Because even society, I think stripper. We, okay, for a daughter, stripper. So you would prefer, as opposed to being out there on the corner dealing drugs, dodging bullets in the police and all that. Understood. Understood. Okay, I get it. That's a hard one. <laughs> I don't think it's a hard one. I'll, I'll, I'll go. I'll go. I'll say drug dealer. Oh, wow. Wow. We'll, 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 let's get the answers and then I'll tell you why. God, that's interesting. Oh, and the caveat. Yeah, this, this is real tough. This oh. is real tough because I got a young daughter. Uh, all I know is like what Chris Rock said, my job as a dad is to keep her off the pole. So <laughs> I'm going to keep trying to do that. Clear but, heels. Um, yeah, man. The first, I'm going to. I go crazy. <laughs> if I saw clear heels in my house. When I say stripper and I say that fast, I don't have any kids. I'm the I'm the, the lone panelist. Here Actually, I'm with so no I prefer. So, I'm gonna go truck though. Uh, I'm a I'm gonna go stripper. I'll get into my reason when we get to that point. Yeah, I got I got, I got some good. It's a hard one. I, I think I said that already. Um, which Top it shouldn't be that hard. I think drug you said I thought you said drug dealer. No. Oh, I didn't Top say either one. Tiebreaker. I'm the tiebreaker. Yep. I am. Yep. Oh, stripper, stripper, drug dealer, drug. Yep. For my daughter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, period. You got no, two, you daughter, kids. I got kids in general. I mean, this is different. Because I wouldn't mind my son being a stripper. Keep it at daughter. Right See, your daughter, yeah, your daughter being a stripper. Your daughter being a stripper or your son being a drug dealer. Oh, my daughter being a stripper in that case. You're because right. of like what Cooley said. Like, I'd much rather her at least having... Okay. The, I guess, yeah, I guess what everybody's answer. I, I much rather her do that and be at least somewhat safe, right? Like she has to make those choices to go beyond, but generally she can be safe. The, and the rest of us answered it though, daughter only, daughter only, drug dealer or stripper. Which one? Daughter only? Yeah. I'm gonna say stripper, I'm gonna say stripper. Okay, so. So the reason my the reason I said what I said is, we all known drug dealers. Once they're reformed, they make it up. We don't judge them no damn more. Their life can go on like it's nothing ever happened. If they don't go to jail or anything like that. That's not on their record. That don't. If one of your kids going to pole, you know, like for the rest of her life, that stigma. Cardi B's probably one of the only like successful like. You know, one of the few that just kind of took her stripper persona and made herself a star. Jay Z just talked about being a, a drug dealer, and people love him for his entrepreneurial spirit. You know, like 
drug dealers, like, okay, he was young, he dumb, he was 18, he sold drugs when 18, 19, 20, got out, went to college, made some of stuff, and that shit is erased. Okay, so let me ask you this. What what percentage do you think, and I, I'm sure you don't know the answer of it, but just to, just for the sake of the argument. So how many, what percentages of drug dealers do you think turn out to be, and not even as successful as Jay-Z, but that they go through life, they sell drugs, and I don't mean they do they do a Sherman Cooley where they sell drugs for two weeks and say, hey, this ain't for me, and go back to school and go back to college or whatever. But I mean, they, they legit, real deal out there in the street selling drugs and they don't they don't reach the ramifications of that so that's my thing i'd rather my son be a sherman cooler for two weeks and my daughter be a guy tripping for two weeks because you know what could happen in those two weeks <sighs> you know what could, you, you still you know talking what? about your son though we keeping it at daughter though. yeah and i'm well, no my daughter being not talking about my daughter was a, my daughter was dealing drugs a stripper? Yeah. Uh, no a that's stripper? what was my question my question was your daughter being a stripper or your son being a drug dealer. Uh, that that's not, okay. All right, all right. Does that change anything for you? Your answer? Um, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. I'd rather my son because my thing is I feel like the world is more accepting and you can bounce back. If because I don't think I don't think everybody nah. I think there's a lot of people that start I've known a lot of people that started that. a lot of people have started dealing drugs, selling drugs, realize like you said, this shit ain't for me. Yeah. Uh I, I think that takes a, a different level of awareness. I can say this about Young me, I immediately knew I was a fish out of water. Like this just didn't make sense to me, and I got out of there. A lot of in two weeks, I could have caught a bullet. So I almost caught a bullet when, in those two weeks. And when y'all say drug dealing, are y'all just talking about dime bags? Do y'all not realize how dangerous the drug game is? And if, I do. If, if you're choosing your son to sell drugs. You're potentially putting you and your wife in danger, your other daughters in danger. On top of that, there are a lot of drug dealers that develop a drug habit, and then that can spiral into all types of things to where, as the joke goes, they sucking for crack. Like they're like drug dealing, that branch can go in so many different places. My daughter stripping more than likely is not gonna ever put my family in danger because she owes somebody money. But your drug dealing son. He don't have the right amount of money depending on who his supplier is. All right, well then we just gonna shoot your, your mama house up. And, and, and that that we got an example of that with well, I don't wanna throw names out there. Right, that's mm -hmm. nah, let me take that back. But yeah, there are examples where that has happened. And um and again, just to clarify, like even in the when you're talking about in those two weeks. Bro, all it takes is a day. I get all that. it takes is a day to be out there in that corner, to be at the wrong place at the wrong time, and you don't know nothing about nothing about what's going on, but they know you on the corner for this dude. Uh -huh. And they think you got money, they think you got drugs, or they just want your, con your corner. I understand what you're saying. And, so, and, and, and your child's life can be gone like that. Or it just takes the police rolling through there. And, they, and especially if you got some, you know, a, a little heavier than weed, rolling through there one time. And that's your child's future. Your child is a convicted felon. And and so you gave a couple examples. You know, maybe they're selling they're selling some hard in the week. Maybe they're just selling weed. I mean, to me, like there's so many different scenarios that could happen with a drug dealer. But I think with a stripper, it's kind of it's almost like all or nothing. Most strippers are probably selling themselves, selling their body. And I just feel like in that short time period, if your son doesn't get shot. Anybody, he can get shot walking down the street. I'm just saying. So you saying if he doesn't get shot, if he does. So <laughs> I mean, there's people. There's, I know you could. You accuse me of, of, of 
of putting words in your mouth. But your answer sounds like you value you value the judgment of your daughter over the endangerment of your son. No, I think the because you more because you said if you become a stripper, you're judged forever. And I don't, you're, and I don't necessarily think that's true. You more, like you're more worried about effect. that than the danger your son is in. I think the long term effect. My saying is, if, if your daughter is a stripper, there's a good chance she's going to end up selling her body. And to me, the dangers that go with that, the drinking, the drugs, all the stuff you were saying, the drugs, right. like those are all prominent in the, the stripping industry. So it's the same thing. It might, the difference is you're not on the street and you're not freaking, might not get shot. But there's strippers getting raped, doing private parties. Like there's all this shit that's going on that could happen just like that <laughs> for a woman. And so my thing, the long-term effect I think a guy can go out there, sell drugs. He might be selling dive or he might go hard. There's there's extremes for the drug dealers. And it's like, nigga, like I thought about trying to do something when I was young, you know, and I probably wouldn't last long. Me too. And so, and so my thing is you go out there for a week and you're like, this ain't for me. Your daughter go out there for a week and she, she didn't gave her body. She didn't sold. Well, but what you're doing is you're assuming the worst for your daughter and the best, the best for the yeah, son. Yeah. And, and then in addition to that, saying that, okay, your daughter can go out here and she's gonna, you know, if she goes to be a stripper, then more than likely she's gonna sell her body and do private parties and do all these other things. But the thing is, she has to make that choice. She has to go from, I'm dancing in the club. Your drug dealer's son doesn't control. Yeah, he doesn't control any of that. He made his choice when he went out there on that corner. That's the only choice he gets. Because when somebody comes to shoot that corner up or the police comes with that raid, or whatever it is. And what you're not even considering, if he does stay in the game for a little while, he can be out the game. I could have said that two weeks, I ain't doing this no more, I'm going back to school. And then somebody dropped my name to the police a week ago, so when they do the roundup, they coming to get me. Okay. Any valid points to make? That was good. That was good. Like that was good, Yeah. No, y'all good? I'm a, I think so, I think all points are made. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so well, great conversation, fellas. Uh, we talked about a lot of stuff. Thank you guys for joining us today. So let's go ahead and do our closing, our parting shots. Who wants to go first? I was at the guest go first. Want to say anything? Um, yeah, go first. Oh, okay, well, thank you guys for having me on. You know, it's been a while since I've been on. Um, our first guest. Uh, always enjoy it you know can't wait to you know be on again and do it more you know love spending time with you guys i uh, being here in vegas with you you know i work a lot a whole lot don't get to get out in it you know you know quote unquote let my hair down much so i just i really appreciate it i treasure the time with y'all you know y'all my brothers my family and i'm just you know i'm, I'm happy to be here i'm honored and i'm blessed oh fight prediction oh crawford all right. Um, I'll keep my it decision. I'll right keep away. it simple. I'll keep it simple. Um, I am what? This is my this is my first time actually on the show. Mm -hmm. No, you were second. In, you were in Atlanta. No, I wasn't. In, I wasn't on the Atlanta show. Okay. But yeah, this is my first time on a podcast. Oh yeah. So yeah. thankfully, wow. fellas, I appreciate y'all letting me come on and speak my mind a little bit. Um, it's great to have the camaraderie and just being in Vegas with my boys, spending a little bit too much money and having a little bit too much fun. Too but much had, money. But yeah, we, we we doing the damn thing. So yes, if you want to be jealous, please do. Um, <laughs> with that said, um, I'm gonna go ahead and call it now. I'm gonna say probably Spence by unanimous decision. That's my fight prediction. 
And uh, shout out to my beautiful wife, Alexis, and my daughter, Tootie. I'll be home Monday. So see y'all soon. Uh, just echo with both Sherman and, and Mike said, definitely enjoy uh, hanging with y'all, especially like all five of us are in different cities. So it's not easy. Different states. For, yeah. So Crazy. it's not easy for us to even to ever come together. So, and it's always even better when we come together and it's not for like a, a funeral death in the family like yeah, that. So uh, I'm grateful that everybody made it here safely, man. I love you, brothers. Uh, I just want to say real quick, um, just like a lot of people, I just started watching the show Suits, which apparently ended four years ago. But <laughs> <laughs> well, I ain't know nothing about it. And uh, I've been watching it, man. It's a good show. It's on Netflix. Uh, got your girl Gina Torres in that joint. A couple of uh, characters from uh, Game of Thrones are in there as well. So it, it's a very good show. Makes me wish I had a thought about becoming a lawyer. Um, but it's one of those shows that it's a good show that has probably the worst theme music for <laughs> at the beginning of the show and it's fairly predictable but it's still good like I usually know what's about to happen in some kind of way it's still good and fight prediction I'm gonna hedge my best I'm hoping for Spence in the tent but more than likely it's probably gonna be Bud in the 8th or ninth. I need to put some money on this fight y'all yeah. yes I'll echo what everybody said thanks you two brothers for joining us um, I appreciate everybody coming out to this Cause just like you said, Buff, we don't come together enough uh, when it's not a bad situation. Uh, so I will ask our listeners to, to do the same. Take that time to be with family, be with friends, go do things with them when it's not a funeral. When it's not a family reunion, go go and just visit the family. Like figure out a time that y'all want to be together and do it. Life's too short. Life's too frail. Life passes by way too fast for you to be have your nose to the grindstone and work yourself to death. So take that time, take those pauses, enjoy it. My prediction, it's it's kind of an oxymoron. I'm rooting for Spence, but I think Bud by split decision mm. uh, is what I'm calling. Mm. Yeah. Good prediction. And Bud is my guy. I mean, excuse me, Spence is my guy. The reason why I think Bud will win. For those of you that don't know, Errol Spence was in pretty a car accident that he should have been killed. Like his Ferrari flipped, flipped about like eight times. Yeah. Like I don't. I, I think he was lucky that he wasn't wearing his seatbelt. He got ejected because he had the top down, so he wasn't still in the car when it was flipping, hitting the pavement. So that's probably the only thing that saved him. He's been through that, and two years ago he had a detached retina eye surgery. I just feel like the human body can only put up with so much. Mrs. Crawford. And and this is just his third fight. This is just his third fight since that accident. And you're fighting Bud Crawford. Like, that's a tall order to ask to be him. So, but I I hope it's a classic fight. I hope we're a part of history, a fight that people are talking about 20 years from now. Yeah, it's like being at Usher when Kiki. <laughs> it is. <laughs> well, I'm the least knowledgeable about boxing here. So thank you, Byron, for adding a little more uh, color commentary for me. Yeah. So now I'm going with uh, Bud. <laughs> uh, and I'm praying for Spencer's eye. Um, and I was going for uh, Crawford anyway because I always go for the darker brother. <laughs> Earl from Texas, if that helps. Okay. Dark skin. <laughs> um, but 
thank you guys for jo- joining the show. Thank you guys for inviting me out because we talk. You guys talk about boxing all the time in the show, being in our group, and I never respond because I have no idea what's going on. But thank you for including me. Three brothers, no sense. Your favorite barbershop style podcast. But a couple of things I want to get off really fast is happy birthday, mom. Today is your birthday. Today we're recording July 29th. I wish I could be there with you, but of course, as everybody knows, I'm in Vegas, but I love you. Can ask for a better mother. Secondly, um, thank you for all the supporters and people who helped us. We just got back from our Houston uh, Lamplighter HBCU tour and youth leadership conference in Birmingham. Had a great time for anybody who's out there and they are looking for a program to put their young sons in. Please uh, look in your area, see if there's an Omega Lamp Whiter chapter New Year, New Year near you. It's a great organization. They're doing things to change and impact these boys' lives like you wouldn't imagine. Thank you for all our supporters that helped us get there. The trip is expensive. Thank you for all the parents that allowed us to take your sons and uh, impact them and guide them. Anything else, fellas? Man, let's get to this fight, man. Let's get, to Let's get to this fight. All right. With that being said, once again, shout out to, first of all, shout out to our listeners at, what's to say? Y'all say it. Contentville. Yeah. Inspire uh, You On Air. This is our last, Yeah. this is our last week on Inspire You On Air. Next time you hear from us, we'll be on Contentville. So make sure you check us out over there. At 8. We moving on. We're we oh, we going to be at 8 p.m. Central Time. Yep, yep. Once again, this is... Three Brothers No Sense, but for this week, Five Brothers No Sense, your favorite barbershop-style podcast from the Six Rules of Podcast. Listen, like, share, subscribe, comment, and most importantly, listen again.